0: court games lcg podcast i i don't know i mean originally this podcast started as a sister podcast to the court games rpg podcast where they would talk about rpgs and me and my co-host whoever it would be would talk about the lcg but um that's hard to do these days because there's no more lcg and also i have no more co-hosts this is just me all alone uh so what are we doing I'm just still unclear about that myself because I went this podcast on Hades when the card game died a second time, and I always had the intention of, like, I'll bring it back if there's something worth talking about, and lo and behold, there's something worth talking about. Well, more specifically, there was something to talk about two months ago. Uh, let me give some apologies for anyone who's been waiting for this particular podcast revival that should have happened sooner. For those who don't know, just prior to Gen Con, a brand new website appeared on the internet called LegendOfTheFiveRings.com, which was just a rebranding of the old IP that uh, FFG and Asmodee had inherited uh, with the takeover years ago. But they decided to put the new IP to work and revive the old Facebook group page. And they put out a bunch of brand new information. And they said that, like, hey, we've got. A new board game coming out, which we had already known about. But we've got the video games coming out. We've got uh, comic books coming out. A bunch of new information. And they're going to have a little display of it at Gen Con. I was in a situation where I just barely squeezed some dollars together and, like, get myself to Gen Con to hunt down more information. And so that's what I did. With, like, very little money in my pocket... I went out to Indianapolis, met up with some old L5R friends that I've got out there. Uh, I was able to poke around the convention, talk to some Asmodee employees and some of the people who work on L5R, and had a great time. And I was posting on Facebook and some other places, like Twitter and things, talking about like what I was discovering and who I was talking to, and... Telling everyone, like, oh, there's going to be a podcast coming up soon, as soon as I get home. And then I disappeared again. Well, so let me first apologize for that. What happened? Well, as soon as I got home, I started editing the audio that I already had from the interviews I had did. Which was kind of rough because all I had was my cell phone on me. So all the all four interviews I did is trying to find a quiet place in Gen Con, which good luck with that. And just handing my cell phone back and forth to talk to these individuals. But, it, you know, it came out better than I could hope for, uh, given the circumstances. So I edited down that audio. And then that's when the con crud hit me. So I got massively sick for a few weeks. And I was coughing so much that even after I was sick, I had lost my voice. But that only accounts for a month. There is another month that happened where I did have a major life incident happen to me. Unfortunately, it was such a major life incident, I can't talk about it on this podcast. Just to let you know that it, it, it like police were involved. Uh, I'm safe. Everyone else is safe. But like some things happened that distracted me for a few weeks. I apologize for that. But here I am now ready to talk about what my Gen Con experience was. As, as I'm re- remembering, retroactively from two months ago, but it's still pretty fresh in my mind and I've got notes written. And regardless, I've got interviews from the time there. So, uh, let's get into it. So the first thing that people are going to ask is where's the new card game? Well, I'm going to get right off the bat and let you all know, know, before everyone gets their hopes up, there's no news on a new card game. I did pull some strings and I found, hunted down some rumors and try to suss out what's going on. And, First, let me be very clear. I've got no official source whatsoever about any kind of status of a card game. What I can tell you is that talking to the various Asmodee employees and uh, other people who are just around and in the know, I can tell you that like the reception that they've heard is they know that the community wants a card game. So that was communicated to everyone at Gen Con very loud and clear. Um, I don't know what the holdup is. I have a suspicion, all I know is right now there's no new news on a card game, but I I can confirm that it was like strongly communicated to the company that that is the number one with a bullet, what the existing L5R community wants. So how can I confirm that I know that is what's being communicated to Asmodee? Because... Like I said, my whole intention was to go to Gen Con and go to the Asmodee booth and talk to whoever is there who would be willing to talk to me. And this is where I got my first instance that I have good hopes for the future of L5R. Because if anyone's been to L5R events in the past when it was controlled by Fantasy Flight Games... Um, they're very warm and welcoming to people and stuff and gave you a very corporate, hey, thank you for participating in our game. Uh, we got these things looking forward to keep a word out and stuff, but they're very mum about like talking too much with people and stuff and not trying to give it too much information and stuff. The Asmo Day folks, while they're all, they kept to their NDAs and everything, they were very friendly and very open and very up forward about like the state of the game, what they're doing, what they want to do and, very commutative with the community. Um, just for reference, the fact that Asmodee spent a lot of money on the L5R display that was uh, at Gen Con. Um, Asmodee was one of the sponsors for Gen Con this year, so they had that big Asmodee uh, banners floating around in the dealer's hall every once in a while. And once, as soon as you went to the main hallway, you just saw, like, go right forward in one of the main... Uh, entrances and you see a big wall mural of Tutori right there and saying L5R information there and stuff. So the company put money and they want like folks to know like L5R exists and the company is doing something for it, which is, I think is a huge step in indicating that they want to do something because frankly, I've seen the opposite before. One of the complaints that I had with when Fantasy Flight was mostly running things was after a while, it seemed like, I'm not going to say they got bored of promoting L5R, but it seemed like their marketing priorities had shifted because once the, they, FFG loves a new game. And so you'd see posters and promotions and demos and stuff all over the place of whatever their new thing is. And it wasn't just L5R. A lot of other games would just get left on the wayside. Um, so compared to that. Like, this is a lot more support than L5R has gotten from Asmodee slash FFG since the launch. The actual display area was relatively small, but that's fine because, truth be told, they didn't actually have much to show off. Which, on one hand, it's just like, oh, whatever. But on the other hand, that kind of indicates, like, yeah, they were able to, like, Gen Con space isn't cheap. And the fact that they just like put a few glass displays with some very pretty looking items. And mostly it was like demos and things that of like future products to come. Like they want to put these things on the radar. And this this is going to be a big push for them moving forward. So that felt me with a lot of optimism that the company really wants L5R as like a moving, as a property, a, a headline property. So, what kind of products did they show off while they were there? So, we had the Rivers of Gold, uh, Euro placement board game. Uh, they had a demo of that and they were like, it's still in the early stages enough. So, uh, when you're doing a the demo, they're actually taking notes from players and say, like, hey, what works, what doesn't work, um, how L5RE does it feel, things of that nature. Uh, They're doing a test of the adventures in Rokugan. They're doing a little mini-adventure, so people get the feel of how that RPG works. Uh, For people who are fans of the 5th edition L5R rule set, uh, I'll be getting into it a little later, but they did confirm that they still have plans on continuing the, uh, quote-unquote, Funky Dice set. (laughs) We'll get into that one a little later. And they're showing... Their new partnerships, either things under the new um, Embracer Group umbrella, like Dark Horse Comics, they are releasing a new comic book and uh, a very large, very expensive uh, uh, Togashi Yokuni statue for like $250. Actually, at the, the time of this recording, it's 10% off, so it's like I think it's like uh, $230, 240 depending on where you are and how much you can get it for. Uh but it's this giant Yokuni statue that looks freaking awesome. One of the things they were showing off that was a kind of surprise hit were these little coins and necklaces and amulets from a place called Fanatic like www.wearefanatic Uh like it's W-E-A-R-E-F-A-N-A-T-T-I-K dot com. And they had these little like, L5R coins. They had this necklace of uh, Yoritomo that was very popular. They had some other things. And this is just a site that like sells little tchotchkes and other things like that from many different uh, popular brands. But it looks like they got their hands on L5R. They got some wall art over there. So uh, they just had a few promos over there at the time that I was at Gen Con, But now they seem to have things actually in store and being able to be sold so head on over there again it's www dot uh w-e-a-r-e-f-a-n-a-t-t-i-k.com uh to get your yartomo necklace and other little l5r coins and tchotchkes there and stuff very cute speaking of things they're showing off that you can also download right now uh, if you go to page.lootstudios.com forward slash L5R, you can get the 3D printing, um, whatever it is. I don't, I don't 3D print, so I don't know what it is. It's like the, the code, the, the, the the parts, the, th- whatever you need to 3D print. Um, you can get those, uh, from this website and you can get either, uh, uh Ayuchiban and or Daigotsu. Uh, to put in this, like, really cool diorama. Uh, they had, it, like, those printed and painted there. They looked really awesome. So right now they're they're completely free for anyone with a 3D printer. If you want to go to that website, like I said, it's com forward slash L5R. One of the biggest announcements that they announced is uh, there's going to be a L5R video game. This is a, it's going to be like a Steam game uh done by Palindrome Studios, and they said it's going to be a auto-battler uh roguelike, which well, a so roguelike is a something where if you, you go through the game and you're expected to die, but then you'll get like some power-ups, so your next run will be a little bit better, and you're expected to go through the cycle a few times and get stronger and stronger each time until now you're like, you're beating the game, and then you're trying to like hit challenges every time you beat the game and stuff something like Hades is a very popular roguelike that's out right now and like every time you go through the game it's like despite going through the same game the way it grows every time is very interesting and an auto battler is kind of what it sounds like is you choose your team or your gear your loadout whatever it is and then you just kind of like set the game and it like battles for you so you're less the player and more the coach in the situation um this game is still in early uh development so there's really not much to to talk about other than like compare it to other games that have come before so that's kind of where we are right now but hey the first official l5r video game that's something to look forward to uh they've also noticed a new miniature board game now this is not a War minis game like a lot of people have uh, hoped for. This is not like Clan War. Uh this is going to be a board game where they had some like printouts of these like 3D figures of popular characters of the setting. So your Taturi's, your Awakos, um, your Hotori uh, Hotarus and everything like that. And very scant details on like what the game is actually going to be. But that's being developed by Monolith, and they've done other games like this where um, they make some like 3D different board games. But the rules are all this different, so I can't really speak to what the rules are gonna be until they show uh us what it's gonna be. Uh it is going to be Kickstarted this project, so keep your eyes out for when the Kickstarter announcement for this board game is going to be. And that's basically everything on there. I tell you what, there uh there's not gonna be too much in this podcast about, like, new products or anything that has been announced already. Uh, Since this is two months later, there has been a few updates and a few things. They're promoting uh, both the novel, The Heart of Ayuchiban, and also the Adventures in Rokugan Supplement Tomb of Ayuchiban, which is... they're both basically the same story, so you get some... you get, A, a narrative telling of the story, or, B, you can, like roll up your, your D&D party and actually go into the Temple of Uchaban and tell your own story. So there's been, like, not only are those out by now, but there's been some updates on there, and I'll get to those once we get to that section. Uh, But, like, again, like, big thing is, like, don't expect a bombshell about a new card game. But I am going to be exploring, like, the mindset that I've explored and, like, talking to the very friendly staff of the day about where l5r is where it seems to be going and some of the very serious like business realities of the of the series and the ip and everything's been going on there in fact they were so helpful they were um i mean i came out of like nowhere there's a few people i had emailed uh on my way to gen con and some people i was there just met and was like hey can i Sit down with my cell phone and talk to you a little bit, and they're more than gracious to their time. So, the very first person I'm going to play my recording for is an interview with Katrina Ostrander, who should be no stranger to longtime Alpha Var fans. Uh, she's been with IP officially ever since Fantasy Flight took over, and now she is the creative director of story and setting for the franchise development team at Asmodee. So, she. Just can't seem to get away from L5R. Well, she's involved with some other franchises too, like um, Arkham Horror and Twilight Imperium. But we're really focusing on L5R right now. So, without further ado, uh, here's my very quick interview with Katrina Ostrander. Uh, again, I apologize for the audio quality. I just went out there with my cell phone, and I try to find as quiet a place as I can, and uh, I tried to clean up the audio afterwards as best I could. Uh, so hello, I'm here with Katrina Ostrander. Uh, Katrina, you're o- L- L5R royalty. Uh, uh, for the people who don't know, what is your title these days? What are you up to?
1: So I'm the creative director of story and setting with the franchise development team at Asmodee.
0: Okay. Um, and how does that uh, relate directly with L5R? So you're obviously you're doing the story for L5R. Is that your other franchises as well?
1: Yeah, so um, Arkham Horror... Twilight Imperium, uh, Terranoth, and of course Legend of the Five Rings, those are all the different franchises. There's many, many more in the Asmode group um, that we're excited to work on in the future. Um, But yeah, most of my work is spent on Legend of the Five Rings these days. You might have noticed we had a lot of announcements that just came out.
0: Yeah, a lot of announcements. They, they just came out as these. As we're recording this, we're at Gen Con right now, 2023, and like a week ago, like there was just a series of media blasts out of nowhere. Um, why so soon?
1: Well, we've been working on things for a while and this Gen Con we really wanted to start promoting the new uh, The River of Gold board game, which is the first 5 Euro game that's going to be coming out. We we're also super thrilled to announce the first video game mm-hmm. from Palindrome Interactive and then the upcoming Kickstarter board game from Monolith for uh, Champions of Rokugan, which is going to feature the Clan Wars era heroes fighting against Shadowlands Hordes. Mm-hmm. So we just, there's a lot coming down the pipeline and we wanted to get people excited.
0: I mean, it sounds really great. Uh, As a long time L5R fan, I'm happy. I changed my plans. I went from like, now I'm going to sit home and just play video games to oh i'm gonna get like 20 bucks and go to gen con because i just wanted to know and it looks like Asmodee is really supporting l5r these days i don't want to imply that they weren't before and i know you and steve hovard have been semi-frequent on the l5r social media networks uh telling like hey news is coming shortly tm <laughs> you know so i guess soon as now um so I noticed, like, there's nothing really to sell here, but Asmodee has, like, really dropped a pretty penny to, you have a very nice booth, you're showing off everything, and it seems like, on top of everything that's here right now, you have more in the chamber that you just clearly can't talk about?
1: Well, actually, there are a lot of things I still can talk about, so the really big thing is the fact that we're announcing the Clan Wars storyline, which is a fresh start for the story. It is taking the best parts of the, um, tournament results, oral histories, legends from mm. the 90s era of the collectible card game, um, and taking a couple of um, some of the best things from the Fantasy Flight Games era storyline, um, taking those and building a new story. Um, and we're super thrilled to have Julie Kagawa and JT Nicholas authoring mm. the first book of a new series coming from Aconite that's going to tell this definitive story of the clan wars um, in the more detail than ever before and so everything that's coming down the pipeline uh, from here on out is going to tie into that clan wars mm. story that's what we're most excited to, to share that news
0: uh, I mean I will certainly be the first to admit that yeah the old storyline could use some cleaning up uh, shout out to old dead podcast garbage of the five rings that just had a, a joyful time pointing out like how does this add up it doesn't make sense um, but so you mentioned like some of the best parts on it. Um, the website mentioned that this is going to be a reimagined for a modern audience, and you're like, it's not necessarily a direct line from the FFG storyline. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Like, what is is now canon, what is not canon from that?
1: So um, I would say to stay tuned to see mm. um, what we're pulling forward, um, what is not coming forward. I will say that. Um, We've been working with cultural consultants mm. we've been bringing on creators that have a connection to the mythologies and cultures that we're drawing from um, and we're moving forward especially compared to the 1990s in terms of who's working on the setting who's contributing so that we can mm. uh, broaden the voices that are involved.
0: Absolutely. I uh, love to hear that. Uh, my former podcast host, Sar, was one of the voices on Asians Represent on the uh, talking about that, uh, taking apart the Legends of the Five Rings RPG. Uh, and I've been in talks with some of those guys offline and stuff. They seem like decent fellows. And we've seen a lot of that stuff represented already in the Adventures in Rokugan books, some of the cultural touchstones. Of it. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Or?
1: Yeah. So Edge Studio brought on um, several cultural consultants and sensitivity reviewers to take a look at the Setting, um, not just to uh, reduce harm um, mm-hmm. to marginalized communities, but also to make it better mm-hmm. um, and and richer and more exciting, and, and take better advantage of the cultures that we were drawing from. And that w- one a, part of that process was also what can we do to the setting to take this and really emphasize the heroic fantasy element. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, where you get some of the inspiration from like the wuja quests and things mm-hmm. like that um, from uh, other East Asian cultures, obviously, mm-hmm. um, other than just feudal Japan. So um, it was partially to help adapt it to the d and like milieu, like mm-hmm. the fantasy, heroic, epic quests, um, but also to make it, um, more accessible, more inclusive, so that um, anyone who wants to play it can feel, you know, that they have a seat at the table. Okay.
0: Yeah, a lot of the changes I felt were really well received when the uh, Adventures of Rokugan book released last year, was it?
1: That sounds right. Uh Everything kind of blurs together, like, post-COVID, so it's, like, 21, 22, 23. Like, I feel like we're only now just starting to get into, like, a new era.
0: Mm. Yeah, time is a soup, and I was trying to figure, like, when did... The, all the mergers and stuff happened? Was it last year or two years? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you mentioned the, the Wuxia stuff. I, I, I think some people like the now northeast of the Dragonlands is a... I can't remember. the. trace It's very new, but it's like basically not China is over there going on.
1: Yeah, so we have the Kingdom of Clouds is one of the new um, additions to the setting that really fleshes out um, some of the areas that feel like they're inspired by ancient China, Mm. medieval China. Um, In addition, we have the Dawn Peaks that brings in more of that Korean influence as well. well. Mm. And that was in consultation with our experts um, and some of their recommendations for how to improve the setting.
0: I I will admit to being a stickler of the previous lore, but you can definitely change the dynamics outside the Rokugani map and stuff. Have you seen the old one from like 1995? It makes no sense. There's like desert, desert, Roman Empire, (laughs) Some swashbucklers somewhere. It's crazy. So, uh, which actually brings, like, so this is a pet peeve of mine. Um, How does weather work in Rokugan? Because Rokugan is a place that experiences, you know, summer, spring, fall, winter. However, we have tropical islands in the mantis lands off to the east. And then right to the west, we have desert and then tropical ivory kingdoms right over there. So, what does the equator look like? (laughs)
1: That is a great question. I think the the trick here is that we have um, mythical beings. We have the elemental dragon of Mm. air, the elemental dragon of water. I think those are the two forces that would kind of combine to create some of those ecologies, in addition to the elemental dragon of earth for, like, the terrain itself. Um, It's it's a fantastical (laughs) world. It doesn't necessarily... uh, It's not a, you know pretty realistic setting mm. it, it leans into the like the beauty and the diversity of the different locations mm. to kind of match with like what the There's clans are doing a little bit more than with
0: uh, it's a very Five way of saying a wizard did it <laughs> you know i was trying not to say that <laughs> Um. What, was what else? Uh, so we're talking about the RPG, and so I was just uh, talking. Like as of recording this, I had just posted some news on the website, or on not even the website, the Facebook, which seems to be the way old people communicate <laughs> in social media these days. We really need to me and you both need to update this stuff. Um, so tell me about so we have Adventures in Rokugan and we just released The Tomb of Ayuchi Bon is a book that's coming out shortly? Coming
1: out in September. Yeah. Okay. So shortly you can pre-order it at your local game store or online. Mm. Um, so yes that's coming down the pipe right
0: now. Okay but more importantly you have not forgotten about the classic 5e uh, RPG which is your baby like you, you created that one. Can you tell me more about what your plans for the main? Line, air quotes mainline rpg line is?
1: yeah so edge studio is going to be coming out with a unicorn clan source book mm. it's slated to release next year so stay tuned to either edge studio.net edge studio.net or l5r.com legend of the or legend of the five rings um, facebook page we're going to be uh, posting announcements there on sale dates there's going to be like all of the product information that you want that you're like, trying to find across mm. different, like, studios, it's going to be all collected at that new website.
0: Mm. Sounds amazing. So we're talking about the story, and you mentioned it 's like, the the premier parts of the story, but an uh, old-school fan like me would say, like, the classic, the, what made L5R's story so great was player choice and player interactivity and stuff. Clearly, there's not too much room for this, and I'll be the first to admit that things got that a little crazy in the AEG era for story interactivity and stuff, but are there any opportunities big or small whatsoever on the opportunity slash is there an organized play for the RPG or something similar coming up?
1: So at this time, I don't have anything to share regarding chances for future player interaction, but I do want to say we're going to be honoring the um, story choices that were made in the past by both the AEG players and the Fantasy Flight Games players um, that's what made the story so special in the first place. And so we're going to be looking to those and like the epic stories that came out of those tournaments, especially around this Day of Thunder, um, as we move forward with this uh, new holistic retelling.
0: Oh, amazing. So you know, if I recall, we the last story choice was Tatori's gonna go do something. It's been a few years, I can't even remember. So is that gonna be looked at? We saw some awesome artwork of. Uh, Tatori, who is now the Ronin Tatori, yes. off doing adventures. Anything, any insights on that, or just cool artwork?
1: <laughs> so, we do know that uh, Tatori is a Ronin, he is drifting uh, through the lands of Rokugan, clearly haunted and guilt ridden by something that he did or did not do um, previously. But I would say uh, you'll have to read the novels to learn more about uh what has driven Totori down this path and what he'll find as he follows this winding road.
0: Amazing. So, yeah, as I mentioned before, uh, Asmodee has, like, really come up with all the bells and whistles, to, like, like saying that we, they have their support behind L5R. And I've noticed that everything that's coming out right now no longer seems to have the Fantasy Fight brand on it, but we do have other things that are either under the Asmodee umbrella or are in association with. Can you talk about how... Like, who's running the show these days, and how are these things working?
1: So yeah, so I work for Asmodee. I'm like a central resource where I am working with all these different studios that are um, bringing new games to the L5R universe. We have like Office Dog is doing River of Gold, Uh, Monolith is licensing Legend of the Five Rings. They're not an Asmodee studio. But Aconite is under the Asmodee umbrella, as is Edge Studio, and Mm. so you see um, all these different companies uh, and studios making different, like exploring different parts of the IP, exploring different, like game possibilities for different kinds of players. And uh, my job, along with my colleagues in the franchise development team, we are there to um, make it feel like L Five R, no matter where you're playing it.
0: Fair enough. Uh, I I would be remiss if I I did not mention, yes, the elephant in the room, there was a card game. We're not talking about it today. See you back later. All right, so I'm going to wrap this up because we were sitting in the middle of the hallway at Gen Con. Katrina is sitting on her knees right now, and I've got the chair like a jerk. This is like the third time I've been a jerk to you in the three interactions we've had or something. Uh, a little anecdote. So I first met you very briefly when, when L5R, the LCG, launched several years ago, and I, me being an arrogant person, I was like, so you got an RPG book going and stuff. Clearly, it's a skin for the Foundry game that's out right now, or the Gen that's out and you're just like no 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 it's it's something different i was like sure winky face (laughs) and egg on my face uh let me say is there anything that you have not had a chance to talk about or something you want to put a spotlight on that no one's asked you yet so far
1: Um, I'm just, I'm really excited for the art book to come out in Mm -hmm. October. Um, I think that Aconite has done a fantastic job pulling together art from the living card game, the role-playing games. Um, They also pulled forward some art from the end of the AEG era of the card game, Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of amazing art in there. Um, Otherwise I'm also really thrilled for the uh, first Legend of the Five Rings video game coming Mm -hmm. from Palindrome Interactive. Um, that is going to be a lot of fun. I think um, getting to play as a Crab Clan commander, getting a group of Crab Clan samurai to send them into the Shadowlands, which of course mm. changes every time, so every playthrough is going to be different. As you like, as the Shadowlands like warp and twist around you in order to thwart you and kill you and corrupt you. Mm. Um, and so I think it's going to really feel like you know, the try and try again to hmm. venture into the Shadowlands and be successful, to, to survive the Shadowlands.
0: I mean, honestly, everything sounds amazing. It got me really excited. And you can see, like, the, the communities kind of went from dormant to they poked up their head. They're looking around. They've already started arguing with each other, which is how you know L5R is healthy, is when everyone's mad at each other. So other than what you've announced already, there are things in the chamber. So Asmodee is planning on a a long-term with this IP, they kind of spend a healthy amount of money on, just (laughs) not to let it languish, huh?
1: Yes, we're, we're really excited to be able to share more things with you when we can. Again, Legend of the 5 ringscom or l5r.com mm-hmm. is the hub. That's going to be where we're sharing all of the information as we have it. So stay tuned.
0: Right. Sounds amazing. Well, stay tuned, I will, and I will toss back to myself who's going to be editing this. I'll see you all later. So that was Katrina. She was awesome as she always was, very gracious with her time. Uh one thing that's very important to clarify because if anyone was following me while I was live reporting from Gen Con and I was posting some things both on Facebook and in the Discord server, um uh, some slight confusion and you heard right from this interview with Katrina herself that the lore is kind of up in the air right now. Generally speaking the lore is still, like, as you remembered it until you kind of hear otherwise if it's changing. That being said, Katrina was very clear that, like, they are not set in stone what is changing and what is not. If you follow things like Adventures in Rokugan, you notice that some things have already changed with the history of the world and how various aspects of the world are moving forward. Um, They're going to... and Later, I've heard from an interview with Joe, like, they're going to try to keep as much of the lore and the player choices and things like that the similar as how it was so the story is uh wrapping up what is the fantasy flights uh retelling of the scorpion clan coup which is about where the lcg card game ended and is starting again with the their new initiative which is the clan war which is the adventures of that now Ronin Tertori and what he does immediately after those events as the Empire kind of falls apart and falls into civil war as the clans all have an idea of like who the new Emperor should be and how the Empire should move forward. Uh, that was one of the background settings of the original AEG storyline and it had many moving parts. Uh, it seems like it's going to be more of a more tightly woven narrative now, and which as but more importantly, like which aspects like are classic, and which aspects are going to be updated. That's all still up in the air. So we will know what is new lore as it comes out. I didn't want to wear up my welcome on the very first day of Gen Con. I believe this was on a Thursday when I spoke to Katrina and the others. So I said my goodbyes and wandered away and did some other stuff at Gen Con. Not too much. I Like I said, I had like $2 in my pocket this whole weekend. So I didn't get to do too much and stuff. But that's fine because one of the great things about being in the L5R community is I could just hang out in the card hall and there's the community and just caught up some old friends and had a blast of a time without even spending any money and stuff. So um, as far as my L5R reporting, I called it a day and I sent out some emails and got confirmation from the folks over at Aconite Books to confirm another interview with Evan Dickens, who is the author of both the Heart and the Soul of Ayuchi Bond books, uh, who was going to be at Gen Con that weekend signing autographs and doing, um, well, anything else. I guess that includes like, uh, who was going to be there signing autographs. So I asked them if I can take a few minutes of his time to talk about his book and his process, and they more than agreed. The Aconite Books booth was... Kind of interesting. We had, um, I got to talk to Ashley Stevens, who is the publicity and marketing coordinator over at Acnite Books. Uh, Her and her partner, I can't remember her partner's name right now, but they were sitting there uh, manning the booth, uh, coordinating uh, when Evan would do his interviews and uh, do his book signing and other things. I talked to them a little bit before the interview uh, to see what was going on. I'm not much of a novel reader myself, and I talked to them because not only do they run the Econite books for Alpha Var, but everything else that uh, Econite does. So you have your Assassin's Creed books, you have your X-Men books, you have all kinds of books going out there. And it was lovely talking to Ashley because she talked about how different fan bases come in with different questions. So any of us L5R fans know that we are notoriously have like a dense lore uh, and a very particular fan base. Uh But we talk to them about how like every fan base to one degree or another is just like that and how much they love talking to outlets like, hey, I'm just like a junior podcaster, quote unquote reporter myself, but love talking to the public in my area because they need more liaisons into certain fandoms because no one person can like handle all of one lore let alone all of the lores like i know a lot about l5r i don't know anything about assassin's creed i know a little bit but it it, my the point i'm making is it went on to highlight how everything under the asmoday umbrella is a lot more fan friendlier I should say they're more interested in talking and working with the community and finding any aspects where that we can like build bridges and uh, collaborate uh, just because like everyone wants these projects to be successful. They can't do it by themselves, especially like Asmodee has a hard enough because almost everyone who's working for Asmodee on the L5R brand I, it was everyone was at Gen Con that weekend. And most of them, like Alphars is just one of several things they do. Like Katrina is the heart and soul of that thing. Uh, She's working on many other projects at the same time. Uh, So there is kind of a need to, for a robust fan base that is interactive with the marketing and not to do their jobs for them, but, you know, they want to talk to podcasters. They want to talk to enthusiastic and volunteers. Uh, to get the word out and sell these things and sell things they did because going back to the Aconite books booth, um, they sold out of all of Evan's books, The Heart of Ayuchiban. Uh, they sold out of all of the L5R artwork books that were there that weekend. Um, as of this recording, I do like the art book should be released in, uh, next week. So in mid October. So look forward to that. And the Soul of but both of the books, I keep getting those backwards, but the Heart and Soul books are both out right now, as long as the Tomb of Aichiban, Adventures in on books and stuff. But yeah, of all the books that they had over in Akonai, and they brought like a decent supply, but uh, Evans and the uh, books and anything L5R related were very quick to run out. This is day two of Gen Con. Uh, and it was like, this was fairly earlier in the morning. I think this was around noon, one o'clock when I had my interview They they'd already run, completely run out of product for L5R. So when Evan was doing his PR shoots to hold up the books that he was working on and like sign them and like uh show them off on the pictures and stuff they had to get the display copies over from the Asmodee booth to show that which I thought was pretty cute but yeah let me go into my interview with Evan Dickin who is the writer of both heart and soul books of Aichuban uh I had a such a great time now there is a disaster, and I think I'm going to mention it very quickly in an interview, where I had talked to him and then completely erased our podcast because I'm screwing around, I'm playing around with my phone, and other people had came by, and somehow I had like hit the button to stop recording and delete what I had. So we had like 30, 40 minutes of a good discussion, completely lost, and I was ready to walk away in shame and thank Evan for my time, and he insisted, like, "Hey, let's run it back, let's do it again." He was super enthusiastic to talk L5R, and you could, t- you could this man radiated love and support for the IP, and I had a great time talking to him. So here is me talking to Evan with a crappy iPhone. Enjoy. hello ladies and gentlemen this is trevor cuba here at gen con i'm sitting here at the econite books at uh, booth 400 and i think 15 uh with evan dickon and i made this joke earlier uh i'll tell everyone right now i just sat here with a half hour with evan and we did a lovely interview and because i am an unorganized hobo i lost the entire recording so we're gonna do this again better than the second time uh so evan i made a joke before do you often get like confused for evan dickens or dickinson you know i do um Um, Dickens a lot, because
2: of the Charles Dickens thing, but uh, you know, I'm used to it, I'll I'll take anything. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and I was just saying I, every time I was writing an email to talk to Aconite and get the thing sorted out I was like am I spelling this right uh, so it's so weird because we just asked all these questions but once again with spirit stuff so Abby, can you please tell folks about your history with L5R obviously you've uh, you've written the heart of Ayuchiban, and now you've written the, wrote the sequel the soul of Ayuchi bon. this is a classic L5R storyline based off of you're just comparing it to like if it was D&D the tomb of elemental evil so uh, this is a old storyline can you tell us about your history with l5r and the lore of it so i have uh
2: very little history with the card game i think i bought a pack once or twice but uh um with the rpg i go back i go back deep i remember finding a uh i want to say a a crane clan uh book in one of like used bookstore when i I think i was like eight or nine and just sort of glomming onto that because i i mean i've always loved japanese culture and japanese history um and uh, I think that sort of pays out in what I've done with my life. But uh, um, I, I own probably three or four editions worth of books. And uh, I do, like I was telling you earlier, I do read them to go to sleep. So uh, every night I'll crack open a, a Clan book or a Shadowlands book or, a, you know, a, a world book and, and just sort of like page through it to just sort of calm myself as I get ready for bed. Um, so and I remember being in uh, my first... Uh, residency in Japan when I was over there for in I think I want to say 2002, 2003 I remember having the uh, clan, the first clan war novels those little beige books with all the beautiful samurai on them and reading them in Japan and I mean they're like hey do you want to go see a castle? I'm like no I'm reading the clan books this is the coolest thing ever like I'm in Japan reading the clan books. Mm.
0: Yeah and I was saying earlier like, I had the same experience when I went and joined the Navy when I was just out of high school and I had all these L5R books and no one wanted to play L5R and not only was I like reading about the lovely world of Rokugan uh, but I was also watching a lot of anime and I remember watching Ranma one half going like boy it'd be nice to visit Japan one day as I'm sitting there in Japan <laughs> so I think everyone's got a little culture shot there and stuff of well it's not quite what I thought of it but it's still a lovely time. Uh, can you tell me about how so you have this History of living in Japan. You said you've studied it for a while. Um, can you tell me how your history has influenced, like how Japan actually is a society, and how that contrasts with *Rokugan*, which is not a one-for-one historical reaction, but it's definitely like a mirror for Japan and medieval Japanese society. I think.
2: I mean, on one hand, you have to, it's, it's, a, it's a hard balance because on one hand, you have to balance the sort of historical aspects and the historical historicity of it with the fact that, you know, a bunch of mostly white guys are going to sit around a table pretending to be Japanese people. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself is sort of prop, a problematic uh, ask. Uh, so what you try to do is, you know, you just try and come at it with the best intentions you can and try and get buy-in. I think that one of the things this the most recent edition has done is get... Buy-in from the community, uh, the Asian community, I should say, yeah, yeah. Uh, and trying to get Asian readers and uh, you know Asian comments on that, and just to see, you know, to sort of excise the more problematic aspects of it. Because I mean, we don't want to we don't want to make any fe- anyone feel bad about this. It's, it's all about having a good time and enjoying the world of Rokugan. So when you try and work in um, the sort of historical... But also, at the same time, you have to acknowledge the history of Japan, which it's based on. So you have to, you know, acknowledge that the Rokugan's a fundamentally unequal society, and there's a caste system, and the samurai are sort of bullying the peasants. And that's just, you know, part and parcel at the same time. But at the same time, you can acknowledge it with, you know... Intent to not reenact it, I suppose. I mean, no one wants to go and bully peasants. I mean, you sh- shouldn't. <laughs> um,
0: so. Some scorpion players want to, so
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all about having fun. But we should, you know, try and have fun and not make any, not not exclude anybody while doing that.
0: Absolutely. So we were talking earlier about like, so L5R started in the mid 90s and it came from a place of love. Like no one was trying to demean anyone and stuff. And it's got a lot of like what we consider today a lot of problematic tropes, but they all came from a place of like, love and respect if misguided and like limited by the we didn't really have the internet back then and stuff so it was very hard to hunt down a lot of this information Uh, so I I love how L5R as a community no matter who's been running it has kind of like spent the last 20 years shaping it we've always tried to like tweak it to be a little bit more culturally respective. We want to make sure it's more egalitarian uh, for people so we don't want to leave leave anyone on the side. Uh, And that was mentioned before as uh, you talk about like, oh, you want to have a bunch of four white guys sitting around pretending. there's like, you know, a little bit of Asian or yellow face going on there but as a person of color um, I find it weird because like hey, I don't have that same relationship to it and also I can identify like we want to present a society that is, like, pleasant to be around, but also don't want to whitewash the more problematic histories just because... Like, we don't want to trigger anyone, but we also don't want to, like, pretend horrible things did not happen. So how's that, like, interfered with the—or inter, not interfered, but how would you take that consideration when writing your current fictions that you have here?
2: I feel like the uh, like the path of Rokugan has also been my, like, personal path where, you know, as a kid in the 90s, I was really into Japan and Japanese culture. And the things that were, you know, where I go and see Kurosawa movies and I go and, like— dress up in a kimono or something the mm. things that are not okay to do mm. but at the same time like i felt like it came from a place of love for the culture and trying to you know be a part of it in my own weird way and so i think that you know we've learned a lot uh, both both rokugan and myself about how to properly engage with a you know a foreign culture and a foreign people and i think that that's that sort of informed my work too i mean i've spent my life studying japan you know i've spent years over there, my master's degree is in Japanese cartography, I teach Japanese history, so, you know, I I like to say that I'm, uh, you know, it's not okay for me to do this, but I'm just saying that, like, I like to say that I, I have my bona fides are there. I try really hard. I'm trying really hard. I guess would
0: be the way. Fair, 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 fair enough. Fair, fair enough. Uh, as for going back to L5R, uh proper, uh, so we're talking about so the heroes of the Heart of ayuchiban which is your previous novel, came out like what a year ago, two years ago. Um, that is the story of seven samurai from each of the great clans coming to uncover the evils of the Blood Speakers. Uh, and now we have the sequel. Soul of Ichiban, so things did not go well. (laughs) I assume. I was telling Evan earlier, like as a proper novel person, like I have bought. The Heart of Uchiban. I have not read the Uchiban. It is on my to do list, along with several other novels. Uh, but without giving away too many spoilers, like, how's the process gone from, like, writing one into the other and dealing with this legacy character, this iconic I, Uchiban is, like, a, like ever present force in L5R lore. And talk about, like, not only we were, were just discussed cultural sensitivities, but blood speakers are not nice people, and they do some raw, dirty things. And how have you, like, conveyed that in your books without, like, Crossing lines these days?
2: I mean, again, it's sort of about inclusivity. Um, and I mean, they wouldn't be blood speakers if they weren't evil, but you have to try and make them understandable. Otherwise, they're just, you know, monsters, and that's not really a fun thing to read about. I, su- I mean, I suppose it is fun to read about monsters, but that's not the kind of people I want to write. And uh, um, so. We, we've sort of excised a lot of, like, the self-harm and suicidal ideations that were sort of part and parcel of the Blood Speakers, because, you know, you don't want to trigger anyone's trauma uh, mm-hmm. who's playing the game or, or you know, ex- experiencing the books. Like, that's that's not what we want to do. We want everyone to have fun with these books or at least, you know, know what they're getting into. Uh, but I think one of the things for me is to try and make Yuchiban, who's, you know, a thousand-year-old sorcerer, an immortal sorcerer, for all necromancer for all intents and purposes, comprehensible to somebody who's, you know, with us who have finite lifespans, and who are just going to have this one time around the Earth. And um, so I think uh, putting, like, reframing him in such a way that uh, he thinks he's doing what's right for Rokugan, and uh, again, Rokugan is sort of ripe for revolution, I would say. Uh, not that it's going to happen, but like you know, it is a, as we talked about before, it's a fundamentally unequal society, Mm. not everyone, you know, people get abused, like, entire classes of people get abused. Mm. So, you have a reformer coming in, and he may be a thousand-year-old sorcerer, necromancer, Mm. but he's saying, you know, this is change we can believe in. Like, this is, like, it's going to be, it's going to be rough, but like, with a rectification of names, with a changing of everything, we can have a society where everyone is fundamentally equal. I mean, Mm. It's based on necromancy and blood magic, but, you know,
0: whatever. It's a, you know, I'll just sweep that under the roof. So. Something, something, crack a few eggs to make an omelet kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, uh, it's uh, it always been a weird thing in L5R where at the end of the day you are playing part of you're, – you're one of the 1%, and whether you want to or not, you're, like, helping to prop up an inherently unjust society to further the gains and stuff. But... Um, You know, we're always trying to make L five R include like show like how dynamic people. It's like I feel like when you deal with an L five R protagonist, you try to put them like they're kind of like a prisoner of their own circumstances because of the way they are in high society. Is that accurate to say? Oh,
2: absolutely. I mean, you can't really. You can't really have a court drama with inequality right, without throwing inequality into the mix. And that's, I mean, again, we're all just pretending, right? So I mean, we don't want to reinforce real-world inequalities while we're pretending. I mean, we're just trying to have fun here. So it, it's also kind of an escape for somebody who may not have those opportunities to you know, pretend to be a court noble. like I'm, I mean, I came from a blue-collar, working-class family. It was really fun for me to be a Crane for
0: a while. Yeah. So, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's good. Uh, you know, and, uh, to, like, I'm also a Crane player. Well, we just were like, what's your favorite clan? It's Crane. Yeah. But we had, uh, uh, in the previous recording, Kikita Kaori came over to say hi. We just had a little Crane powwow. Uh, but I am someone like, not because I'm a person of color, but I'm also someone who came from a real destitute background and stuff. And as something that always appealed to me for Crane. Part of it was, like, the idea of, like... When someone looks at you, expecting excellence rather than expecting the opposite of excellence and stuff, and being just an inherent like known professional in your field without having that question and stuff, so I think you can enjoy that on both sides of the coin. But also for the the, the nature of like inequalities in society and works of fiction, I would say like, hey, you can't have an X Men story, which are great stories, without inherent. Bigotry at the at the forefront of those stories. So I think wrestling with those elements is kind of a essential to. If you're not like really truthfully dealing with those things, are you like are you really addressing these stories at all? You're just like trying to hide from the truth at all. So. Oh no,
2: absolutely. You brought up the issue of whitewashing earlier. That's you know that's the other side of the coin that we very much don't want to do. Mm. I mean, we have to highlight these things, but also you know call them out for what they are. Right? Mm. So.
0: Yeah, and also obviously. Put a huge dividing line of Rokugan is not Japan. There is a difference. So we do some weird things over here that should not be a reflection of that society at all. Uh, Things that is a reflection of the society is so we have our great clans. And we all love our great clans. We just talked about, you know, we're sitting here doing uh, the crane powwow over here. Uh, We have uh, our seven protagonists who I'm going to assume at least some of them are in the second book. Don't tell me. The readers figure this out. Uh, But we were just talking earlier about, like, what's it like writing the stories of... You have our iconic clans, and to a certain degree, they have to be kind of like stereotypes in of themselves. So if you are a lion fan and you crack open this book, you want your lion protagonist to be the most liney lion that's ever lioned, but also being an individual onto themselves. How have you straddled that line?
2: Hopefully well. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, with my, my first book I wrote was uh, To Chart the Clouds, and I think that was with a lion um, the the um, sorry, the Imperial family and then also a scorpion so with only like three, two clans in Imperial family I had I had a little bit more leeway to make the characters a lot less lion and scorpion mm-hmm. I mean they're still recognizably lion and scorpion but they're not really the archetypal lion and scorpion but with um, the Yuchiban novels I'm working with seven POV protagonists basically and so I have to make the, I wanted you to be able I wanted the reader to be able to pick up the book and get to a scorpion chapter and be like oh yeah I recognize this person as scorpion but at the same time, they're not exactly what I would expect from a scorpion. And again, mm-hmm. you, you, I, I sort of hewed, and I consciously did this, uh, maybe not, I don't know, but uh, I tried to hew a little bit more closer to the clan stereotypes because again, with seven characters, I wanted to be sure that people knew who was who. Mm-hmm. Especially because you're using, you're using Asian names, so uh, mm-hmm. a lot of you know Westerners aren't as familiar with those, so the names sort of blur together mm-hmm. uh, in people's minds, and I, you know, I wanted them to be recognizable, mm-hmm. as, as best mm-hmm. I could.
0: Fair enough. Uh, with a, with a, We have seven characters, so was that a conscious decision of, did you say, like, I want to have, like, a representative from each clan in here just so a fan of every clan can have a thing? Or how did that, like, is it the chicken? Or the, like, who came first? Like, did you want to have all people being a protagonist, or did the story naturally align that way somehow?
2: It was pitched to me as a, we want all seven clans to be in this. This mm. is the first one we wanted to do, and I was... Uh, completely honored to have the chance to do it yeah. and I of course wanted to one-up and be like well not only are they going to be in here but I'm going to try and do POV characters for all mm-hmm. of them so there, are, it's, it's sort of it's like a Game of Thrones where it jumps back and forth from yeah. various characters I mean it's all the same plot line and so I sort of uh, so it is a chicken and an egg thing where yeah. Uh, yeah, they said they wanted seven clans but I made a lot of work for myself by making all the POV characters so
0: yeah as, as someone who's not a writer I write uh, uh, RPGs <laughs> that's you know a whole different piece of stuff, but like how does that go from like okay versus yeah, you have one protagonist versus many protagonists? How is that on a writing perspective?
2: I actually I think it's easier because writing uh, um, for me writing from the perspective of one protagonist is hard because you have to keep digging deeper, deeper, and deeper into their character to find interesting things. Mm. But with a, if you're only spending, let's say, this is a 90,000 book, so I'm spending 15,000 words with each protagonist. And so some of them get more screen time than others. Mm. But like. If you're only spending a chapter or two with a protagonist, then you can sort of get in and get out and, uh, and be more plot focused. And um, I hope I succeeded in making them recognizable, even with, you know, ten, fifteen thousand 15,000 words of character. Um, whether I did or not, that's not really up to me. So. Yeah.
0: Uh, speaking of protagonists, let's say, like, you are the protagonist, because you mentioned that, so obviously these stories are loosely, more or less, based off of a classic uh, L5R RPG adventure, which you have some personal experience with. So how much of your biases of, like, was this your your personal attempt to make a second attack at, with, like, Ichiban? Like, I'm going to get you this time? Like, how does that go?
2: Ichiban buried so many of my characters. I, that guy <laughs> has it coming. Guy, I'm not going to swear, but I have a couple of choice phrases to talk about to talk about Ichiban himself. So, mm. yeah, it definitely colored my interpretation of him. And I tried to make him somebody who Even if you don't like the guy, you understand why he's doing the things he's doing, Mm. so...
0: I mean, I feel like we covered everything we covered before. Again, our, our readers, our listeners, I'm sorry I lost the recording because I'm a bad person and stuff. But I feel like we hit all the points we hit again. Um, is there anything else you want to let the readers know about or what you have going on or any questions I did not ask you that you want to put out there?
2: Uh, no, I think you, you handled everything uh, well. I mean, I please come and read my books. I uh, hope you like them. Um, I also write for Black Library, so a bunch of Warhammer stuff. Uh, if you want to take a look at that, my, my first novel just came out, Children of Teclas, over there. But, I mean, uh, my heart belongs to Rokugan. So, please, if you're going to pick one, these are the ones.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and I just remember one last question that we had before was um, if you could have any dream project with night you could do any kind of project, what did you want to write? Because we just had this discussion a second ago.
2: <laughs> oh, it's a, uh, well, uh. Darkly textured political drama. Mm-hmm. I would love to do a uh, something like a comedy of manners, like a Bridgerton or something set at like Winter Court or something like that, uh, because I feel like Josh Reynolds uh, has the mystery angle tied up, and mm-hmm. Mary Brendan has the romance slash uh, you know uh, exploration angle. You know, pretty. And I'm not going to touch either of their works because they're mm-hmm. you know aspirational authors. So mm-hmm. I, if I, if I could write half as good as them, I would be proud of myself. But um, so yeah, something maybe set in Winter Court uh, with. You know, a lot, a lot riding on it. Uh, probably a few assassinations, maybe a duel or okay, two. That'd be know. great. You can't, you can't have a Rokugan story without
0: that. I, I have, I haven't been to a Winter Court yet, where at least like a quarter of the people haven't died. So. <laughs> So, Evan, thank you so much for interview for sitting down and talking to me twice. He's signing autographs this entire time, and he'll be here for a little bit while. while. Well, by the time you're listening to this, he'll be gone. But uh, everyone, look forward to more from Evan Dicken and more uh, books from Aconite in general. Once again, Asmodee, Aconite, Edge, everyone's really putting the flick forward to really talk about uh, L5R. So um, come out and check it out. So, <laughs> Thank
2: you very much for having me. I really appreciate it, Trevor. Um, Thank you. You've been wonderful.
0: (laughs) Thank you. I'm just a large guy wandering around with a cell phone, trying not to delete the recording for a third time.
2: (laughs) If it gives me another half hour with you, man, go for it. (laughs) All
0: right. Well, I'm throwing it back down to Trevor in the editing bay to figure out he's going to put this thing together. See y'all later. So, again, I can't overstate how cool of a guy Evan is. Uh, he was a blast to hang out with. Uh, we even chit chatted before and after the interview, especially since we screwed up the first recording. And he was just a blast the entire time. And then, like, within like an hour after I had talked to him, I get a friend request on my Facebook and stuff. So, yeah, I think he's a real cool guy. I, I would love to have a night just like having some drinks and we could just sit there and BS about L5R all the live long day uh but yeah that was the second day of gen con and while i was that was the only interview i had scheduled that weekend i did want to take some time to look around and find out where the community is so one thing that's of note that i had noticed my first time back at gen con once the lcg was dead is finding out where everyone's hanging out with because i had just like casually sat down at a what I presumed was an empty table space somewhere. And it turned out it was the Vampire the Masquerade Clan Wars table. And several L5R people just started walking by and saying, oh, hey, Trevor. I was like, oh, what's going on? And like, turns out a lot of people are there. So, yeah, if you are a LCG player, and this is something I want to talk about in a future episode, uh is where if you are a card game player and you want to get your card game itch scratched where do you go well many people have found a home with um vampire the masquerade clan war Uh a lot of people of familiar faces i know are part of that organization right now and i can see why because l5r is kind of similar to Vampire the Masquerade on a very superficial level one thing that almost told me is if you win a tournament a major tournament you get your own card so it's not only it's like a, a character of yourself but it's like artwork that like kind of depicts who you are uh in the vampire world and whatever faction you're playing because I know uh several players who I was talking to hanging out over there they were able to bust out their deck and show me a card with their own artwork in there, which I thought was really cool. Um, immediately next to Vampire is David Lapp's table, where he was running both Doomtown, which he has been running for a while with Pinebox Entertainment, but they also had just launched the Seventh c card game, which they pick up the rights to. And not to toot my own horn, if you go over there, I did some of the artwork for them. You know, I'm a bit of a freelance graphic designer. Well, I'm a full-time graphic designer, but I've done some freelance uh, projects here and there, especially in the community. Uh, so if you ever see the little um, the little circular mod figures they have on there for the different um, pirate factions, uh, yeah, I did that. That was me. Me. But if you are an L5R player and saying, no, I want to play L5R, I found that at Gen Con this year, Playccg.com was running an L- old school l5r tournament um don't i can't remember the rules i believe it was something akin to like celestial rules or whatever or emperor rules one of the last rule sets to come out but it was like proxy friendly and they had a large table of classic prizes from alpha of our past so it's like some mugs some um some old boosters uh, this is like first edition boosters, So people were just like, oh, there's some like valuable cards that you can find in there. Like if you have like a first edition Kachiko or something, could have been potentially been in some of the boosters there. Um, all kinds of different merchandise there and had a great time sitting over there chit chatting with those folks. Um, and talking to them about the tournament, which I had heard vague rumblings about uh prior to going to gen con which again i didn't really plan on doing it and i noticed that they had the event in the book which i didn't give too much credit for um it had this really impressively run event that i just did not know because they weren't able to get the word out so this leads me to think that if i'm going to continue this podcast there are many community run events that i think that there's value in having a podcast of whether i'm by myself or with a co-host that is worth looking to, to see like, hey, I want to play L5R. Here's the organizations that are doing it, and here's where you can go to play L5R. We already know that uh, Emerald Legacy is out right now, running events for the FFG version of the card game, or a spiritual successor. They're doing uh, a completely not-for-profit uh free to play fan based continuation of that game, uh which I also worked on a little bit. You have places like Heroes of Rokugan doing like several versions of the RPG. I wasn't able to swing by Heroes of Rokugan this year, but uh I was just out wandering the halls one t- uh earlier that Gen Con and I just heard a grand a group of people talking about uh heading to that event that it would be very cool. So yeah. I'm excited because I do think that there is a place for a podcast and a resource of information that can be filled with directing people to where are the L5R events going on. So I think that's going to be a focus I'm going to have uh, on this podcast going into the future. But for now, let's continue looking about what happened on day three, which is essentially my final day of Gen Con. I was floating around on Sunday, but I didn't really do anything on Sunday. So my quote-unquote final day, Saturday, uh, I was finally able to sit down and play River of Gold, the Euro-style board game that they had been demoing all weekend. Ironically, it's because as much as I was hanging around the Asmodee booth and kind of harassing the employees there... um, I was trying to sit down and demo it the entire time, but like there was always someone there, so it wasn't until Saturday I was able to slide in and get down to play the game, and it was very interesting. It was, if I had to describe it quickly, it's a it's a combination of Monopoly and Lords of Waterdeep. But some people, I've said that before, and some people heard like Monopoly is was just like, oh, that sounds weird. No, it's it's Monopoly insofar as so every time you take a turn. You can either roll the dice and see how many spots you move or you can like make a trade on one of the spots you're on or you can build a thing and that's where the monopoly kind of element is where you're not quite sure where you're going to go but you know you're heading down and you can choose whether you want to move your boats uh, into an area that is like bought up by your enemies or you want to sit down and make some trades before you head down, uh, try to collect resources, your woods, your silks and whatever. Um, and try to meet objectives by these play cards you have. And obviously the more places you go to on the map and the more plat- spots that you buy, it's, you get more resources either via you got that spot or, your opponent will land on there and they have to give you some resources as like a tax or a tribute. Nothing too complicated. I th- I like it, it seems like one of the easier Euro games that I've come across. I think it's something that you can like bust out real quick for like a quick 20, 30 minutes with your friends. It seems like a perfect kind of game that you play like in a prelude to playing like a real go- if- a board game for the night. Like when you're waiting for your friends to come over and play like something a bit meatier. But it seemed perfectly enjoyable for. You know what it is and i look forward to playing it Lardon, as i've got some board game players that i play with and uh they i think they would enjoy playing the, a few rounds of this every once in a while next i got to swing over to the other side of the Day booth and do a demo of their Adventures in Rokugan little adventure set. And this is a tight adventure because, like, they're trying to turn a lot of people in and out very quickly. So it's you get to do a quick real play scene. You get to do a quick battle scene, um, which the whole thing was, like, an hour, hour and a half. So these are not, like, quick scenes. Uh, but it was perfectly enjoyable. The, one of the things I noticed that's not even related to the game is, as I sat down with everybody, everyone at these demo tables were old L5R fans from various times in L5R's history. So you had people coming from the very beginning, some, some people who are from the FFG era. So just to reinforce that, like, how much interest there is from the L5R community, both old and new, coming out and checking to see what Asthma Day is doing, that was the most cheerful thing for me to see, is sitting down with people who I've never met and stuff, uh, letting them know, like, hey, here's here's the Discord, here's the Facebook group, Uh, here's where people are meeting out at, and, like, networking and letting people know what's going on. Um, As for the game itself, for anyone who's not played Adventures in Rokugan, I've had some criticism about it before because it's... It's it's based off of Dungeons & Dragons, so it is much more combat heavy, but you can always bring some more roleplay in as a player and as a GM. Like You can add these elements on top of that, and we certainly had no lack of that in this little quick little hour, hour and a half session that we played. We were all playing characters who are... This is kind of the point of Adventures in Rokugan, where you're playing different bombastic races and character concepts that you don't normally see so i was playing a naga that was just shape-changed to so look like a normal peasant woman uh one of them was a let's see it was like a, basically a demon i can't remember the exact term of it and stuff but it's one of these uh shape-shifting demons also masquerading as a human i think there was actually one actual human in the party, and they were Shugenja, so they could just, like, had a sixth sense of, like, there's something not right about this group I'm hanging out with. Uh But we had a perfectly enjoyable time of, like, both being, like, in character and representing what, in my opinion, is a proper RPG adventures of folk who are, like, not central to the dramas of the great clans, but still going on this very authentic Rokugani adventure and dealing with things that like are out there you know there are bandits there are shapeshifters there are um Ayuchiban cultists out there um and we got to fight some zombies out there so ironically I can't speak too much about my adventure uh, playing uh adventures in Rokugan because a my character made a choice to protect an NPC by taking them into a back room and uh waiting for the danger to pass with other, the rest of the players fought the demons uh which was a technically sound thing for the game but also in the real world unrelated to that a number of players came uh people came up to me and were talking in real life including um robert denton who i got to sit down and talk to for a little bit um in between the sessions of the game trying not to interrupt too much of this game that i'm sitting down with and i was only talking to him uh because he was uh with my next interview uh which is uh Lex Dykema, which who is one of the workers over at Edge Studios who had worked on the adventure I was currently playing and was also, like I said, my next interview. So no. No, I wasn't that guy, distracted a table. Uh Joy Connor was pretty loud anyway, and I was able to like slide my way from the table and Every time I checked back into the table, like everyone was having a lot of f- fun chopping up zombies in the adventure they were doing. So then they were doing perfectly fine without me because I had chosen to protect the NPC. So I wasn't distracting the table or anything, but get a chance to reconnect with Robert Denton again, which I always enjoy. And um yeah, as soon as uh, after that battle, we had reached the end point and I was able to move on to my interview. So that's what I'm going to do right now. So yeah, some of you might remember Lex as the one who was running the L5R RPG actual play that was on the Fantasy Flight uh, YouTube channel uh, slash Twitch channel uh, several years ago, but she's back. She's one of the few employees over at Edge Studios, and I got a chance to sit down to, with her and talk about the RPG and the future of those products, so here you go. Hello, everyone. I'm sitting here with, actually, this is, I'm going to start being rude. Uh, Lex, how do I pronounce your name? I look at the back. I want to say it, it's Dikemsa? Dicamma. Okay, so I'm way off by it. So yeah, it's, it's like Dicamma, but
3: said together. Dicamma.
0: Okay, so uh, Lex, uh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, who you are with uh, with Asmodee and how you relate to, or Edge Studios, and how you relate to let's of the Five Rings?
3: Sure, yeah. I um, started with Fantasy Flight Games under Sam Gregor Stewart in 2018 and they pretty quickly put me as one of the main people on L5R, kind of trial by fire. Um, I knew a little bit about the card game and that kind of thing ahead of time, but I definitely was not um, as experienced as some people like Katrina Ostrander or anything like Hmm. that. Um, I worked there until the beginning of 2020 and then, unfortunately, the RPG department got laid off along with a lot of other folks. Mm. Um, let's see, I proofread Emerald's Empire. Um, I basically had a hand in pretty much every Legend of the Five Rings 5th Edition Funky Dice product, um, except for the core book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like how you call it the Funky Dice product.
3: It's the Funky Dice product because it's unfortunate that, like, we have the 5th Edition SRD with Adventures in Rokugan, and then we have 5th Edition Legend of the Five Rings, and people are like, 5th Edition which? And I'm like, Funky Dice? D20 Dice. Hmm. And they can remember it that way. Um, and then, uh... Yeah, last year, the year before, Sam was able to hire me again under Edge Studio, which is also under Asmodee. And we just kind of picked up where we left off. It's just the two of us, though.
0: I hear Okay, so yeah. uh, That was, ooh, I felt bad for your whole studio. Because I know, like, in history, like, Asmodee and FFG, kind of like, around Thanksgiving, they go into, like, quiet mode. They box up everything, and they're like, we're going to go for the holidays. And they come back around New Year's and kind of pick things back up. And that year, like, hey, Happy New Year's, pink slips all around.
3: It was, it was like a week into January, mm. yeah, um, I guess somebody in higher management actually pushed for it to not happen till after Christmas, which a lot of us i think a lot of people were upset. I appreciated at mm. least that that didn't happen, but yeah, we kind of just yeah, it, it it was it was hard, yeah. but i 'm back into it so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for those of us who are, like, kind of in the know, we all assumed that we saw the writing on the wall that, you know, Asmodeo was trying to, like, shift things so that would be purchased by the Embracer group and stuff. You don't have to speak anything to or for this and stuff, but uh, we all kind of suspected why it happened, but we're kind of interested. So, yeah, Ed Studios has been spending the last two, three years building itself back up from what it was, like, because you guys went from, like yo, we're one thing and now we're a completely different thing. And now we have like three people and $5 to like run 20 books and all this other stuff. So what's the experience of like bringing Edge Studios to life has been?
3: Um, It's been definitely a slow process. So for the first couple of years, it was just Sam
0: uh,
3: and he was doing like 15 projects all by himself, kind of slow rolling it. Um, Then there was a bit of a change in the head of studio um, and things have started to pick up a little bit, not necessarily just because of that. But then um, Sam was able to hire me on and now we're kind of rolling. We have um, a lot more reasonable development schedule, so hopefully products will come out at a more reasonable pace probably start to see that maybe second or third quarter next year it'll start being a little more reasonable but Mm. it's mostly us just catching up because we're two people and they have a million products that they want us to do so
0: yeah yeah. Well, you know, the, the perpetually angry people, L5R people are. I go online and everyone's just like, hey, there's a new uh, Adventures in Rokugan book. And then it's just like, well, where's my unicorn book? Uh, so there's a lot. I understand, like, the slow rolling development is why these things have been developed. So, but you guys have, like, a semi-decent roadmap for com- for the future with both 5e funky dice, as you put it, and also Adventures in Rokugan? Uh,
3: yeah, so I can tell you that... Uh People should be able to expect Children of the Five Winds by Gen Con of next year. Mm. That is the current plan. Uh, in terms of adventures uh, in Rokugan, we do have a few things in the works, but I can't talk about them just yet. Okay. Just make sure to go to your local game stores and buy them, though, because the numbers matter for us to be able to keep doing it.
0: Absolutely, I find myself buying L5R product even if it's not necessarily for me, just to support the brand, and the franchise, just because I know money talks, so I don't know how the franchise or the, the corporation's tend to work. So
3: it's um it's definitely not uh, even really anybody in the studio. Everybody, um, our head of studio is really a big fan of L5R. He really loves it, and so is my uh, editorial manager. It's just a matter of can we get the numbers hmm. to actually support paying our freelancers a reasonable wage with inflation and all that stuff. So. I promise you, we're not trying to be mean. <laughs> I really promise.
0: I'll let you know just like I think most of the community people like want they what they want, but I think everyone generally knows like it's never like the people working for like I love meeting you and meeting everyone else and people I have history with here working for the company, and it's always like hey, sometimes the corporation is the corporation, you know, head A talks to head B and comes up with a result D, and we don't know how that happened, but these are just how the numbers kind of fly and stuff. So. That's for sure how it is. <laughs> um, I know, and tell me if you can't talk about this and stuff. But like, what are the opportunities for things like organized play or something like that? If you look right here at GenCon, we got a lot of things. We got mega games. We got a lot of like small companies doing organized play and uh, just organized campaign modules or.
3: Um, so currently, I will just say that uh, I don't believe Edge has the bandwidth for that. I don't know what potent- potential future stuff is. I don't want to say no or yes. I just know that right now. It's just me and Sam doing the development, so we're yeah. we're a really small studio. Yeah. Um, so hopefully in the future, I would love to do that kind of thing. I would love to even host some stuff um, up, up in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I yeah, I can't I'm not really sure.
0: All right, fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, we, we have uh, the Fayuchi Bond is coming out very soon. And also, uh, before we even get to that, you're also one of the co-heads of, like, the Adventures in Rokugan developing that one as well, right?
3: Uh, no, okay. actually. That was Max Brook and Lydia Suen.
0: Okay.
3: Uh, they were the main folks on that, I believe. I apologize if I'm forgetting anybody else. I came in right after that, okay. which was the same thing with... The funky dice system, I came in right after the core book. Mm-hmm. Lucky for me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay.
3: Um, yeah, so Tuma Vai and a couple of other things we're working on. Um was my first experience with this adventures in Rokugan stuff. Um tomb of Ayuchiban has been really fun. Uh do you have any specific questions about it or
0: Oh well I was just kinda of wondering well, what is the tomb of Ayuchiban about? I guess we start there and we we'll go from there.
3: Uh, so it takes the inspiration from the original uh, product, which was a Tumayev Chambon box set made by. I can't remember their name, I apologize, but it's back in like the 90s.
0: So this is the old AEG line or something?
3: Uh, yes. Um, so it takes inspiration from that, but it's definitely pretty different. Uh, so this, I would say, is a campaign. Uh, you actually start in the City of Lies. Exactly. Um, and then you make your way through the tomb through trial and error. Um, and then you go through the tomb. There's a lot of traps, puzzles, interesting monsters. We have a lot of new profiles. And then maybe you'll get a chance to uh, encounter the grandfather himself
0: amazing and stuff. And I just realized, so we got the Tube of Uchiban Bond source book coming out, and I just interviewed uh, Evan uh, Diggin, who is writing The Heart of Ayuchi and The Soul of Ayuchi Bond. So I guess this is like some synergy going on? So uh,
3: Yes, there was definitely some synergy, uh, more so with the first book than the second book just because of development times mm. and that kind of thing. Um, but we did have access to a bunch of those materials, and uh, they had access to some of our materials, so you might see a little mm. bit of crossover here and there. Mm. Um, but I definitely recommend, if you're interested in Elfabar, pick up the book, uh, The Soul of Ayutuban. It's a really
0: excellent read. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I got one question. It's kind of like, this is a minor criticism that I have with the um, the Adventures in Rokugan set. So clearly, like, uh, admittedly, this is designed for more people who are used to Dungeons and & Dragons and a very different style of play versus what's traditionally run in L5R and stuff. I have noticed that, like, although you can bring political intrigue into the game with a good dm and good players and stuff the rules don't seem to support that inherently so and i know DD as a strut well i guess we can't call it DD. the most popular board game in america osrd (laughs) that we're using uh doesn't inherently support that but have you guys explored any factions of like bringing more court intrigue and the clan uh, dramas into more of a crunchy mechanical sense at all
3: um, no, we haven't really done that uh, so much. It might be in the future. Um, the idea with this was to definitely make it as compatible with uh, the most popular game and role playing game in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to differentiate it. We wanted to bring out more of like kind of the weird species and weird characters that you wouldn't see as much in regular L5R. Um, and it has more of that kind of adventuring feel. But I'm not saying that it, it couldn't happen
0: in the future. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, let's see. I think for most of the RPG, because we've already had the information out, I think, during this whole thing where the L5R LCG sprouted up and then closed down, but the RPG has been basically, it's been slow, but it's been going consistently, so I don't think there's anything too new going on here. Uh, is there anything that you want to tell people that they, 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 they don't have the, on the radar yet or something that you're looking forward to? Or?
3: Um, I can't really speak on anything else right now, but there might be a few other things for Adventures in Roku
0: Love to hear it. So, Lex, thank you so much for your time. You were, she was sitting here. I was actually just playtesting the Adventures in Rokugan set that you had written okay. here uh, and demoed that. It was an amazing uh, quick adventure. And she was sitting there patiently waiting behind me <laughs> to do the interview that I requested. So I'm the jerk face for this one. Oh, so, no, it's okay. <laughs> so I'm going to toss this back to uh, myself in the editing bay. And I will see you all later if I don't destroy this recording like I did earlier. So there you have it, folks. The Unicorn book is inbound. They have not forgot about the L5R 5th edition book, especially, or the quote-unquote funky dice version, as Lex calls it. Uh, I had a great time speaking with her about uh, L5R and the future of the property there. And for the most part, that was basically the end of my L5R experience at gen con i just had one final interview to knock out with joe de simone who is new to the asmodee l5r company (laughs) i don't know how to put that last but certainly not least joe is one of the people who well he was the one who was uh, sitting next to steve horvath Uh, when they announced the new L5R website and their announcement of like, hey, here's the website, here's the Facebook group, here's the YouTube channel. New news is coming. Um, And for a quick history lesson for people who don't know, Steve Horvath, he is one of the CEOs over at Asmodee. He was the one who coordinated and orchestrated the transfer, the sale of L5R to Asmodee. And he's very proud of his history with the game. Like, he shows up on stream uh, with his Dragon Clan t shirt and holding the sword that he had won in one of the um matches from the old school CCG. So, uh, the person who's basically the father of the L5R uh, brand under Asmodee, um lets it be known that he is an old school player like the rest of us. Uh Steve was not available. I don't know if he was at Gen Con, but he was certainly not available. Like I said, in those initial YouTube videos, sitting right next to Steve, was Joe here. Um And I'm going to leave the final interview with him to talk about basically an overview of how the weekend went for the folks over at the Asmo Day booth, the kind of feedback they've gotten, and any kind of final messages that uh they want to impart on us uh as we go forward in this. So here's to my interview with Joe. Hello ladies and gentlemen, this is Trevor Cubis setting here at JANCON with Joe DeSimone. Simone Asthma Day. Stated that they're going to bring back L5R in a big bad way. Joe was st- sitting right next to Horath uh, Classic L5R player and one of the uh, CEOs over at Asmoday. he He's right there with him as one of the new heads So Joe can you tell me about yourself? Hello.
4: Yeah, sure. Hi, uh, I'm Jody Simone um, longtime l L5R player going back to 95 96 was one of the first games I ever played Um but I joined Asmodee in November of last year. Uh, I've been in the game space in some capacity or another really since I got out of school in 2014. Um, Yeah, and it's been wild, it's been a pleasure. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, joining a new organization and then immediately being given at least partially the reins to bring back something that I've loved since I was six years old. Mm has been a truly wild experience. But yeah, um, I guess in more details, my title is franchise producer. Um, I am the train scheduler. Um, We are working with internal studios like Edge on the role-playing games, Office Dog on River of Gold. But then we're also working with Asmodee Entertainment who do film and TV and video games. So uh, we're working now with Palindrome who were thankfully by the booth earlier today, they came in from Sweden all the way. Um, we'll actually be posting a uh, Facebook story that we did with them uh, later today, which is Saturday.
0: It's Saturday, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's been a long weekend.
4: Yeah, really long weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, where there are more details about that, because I know our original post about it was a little sparse. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. It's it's wild. It's, it's strange. It's cool. It's and experience getting all of these different sorts of products lined up mm. and making sure that the lore is right, the art mm. is right, um, that everything does justice to L5R mm. in the way that it deserves.
0: Yeah. So as you said, you are an old-school L5R fan, which is good to hear. Not that we're opposed to having new blood in here, but as we were talking before, like L5R is a very deep storied history and lore and it can be a lot to take in so it's good to hear people on the Asmodee side like really have an understanding of what that is and like of our weird nuances and our kind of like cranky nature sometimes you're a bad fan base l5r that's for me not from him <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, um, Asmodee has clearly, like, spent a pretty penny to m- put up this nice booth. We've got these glass cases. Unfortunately, nothing's for sale here. Uh, but can you tell me what, like, what's the? we're on day three of Gen Con, day four if you count Wednesday. Um, what has the feedback been from both, like, old players coming in and saying, what's up? And new players going like, hey, what's up with all these Japanese samurai? Sure.
4: Yeah, so I'll go with the old players first. Honestly, one of my favorite things is seeing people who have been playing this as long as I have come by and, one, be excited that this thing is coming back, period, Mm. and then, two, seeing how many different forms it's taking, right? Mm. Don't get me wrong, big CCG person, Mm. big RPG person, also, I have a lot of friends who only play board games. Mm. Or I have a lot of friends who only play skirmish games. Mm. Who I could never get into L5R before. And it seems like a lot of the fans do too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a really, really positive reception. Um, you know, to the point of nothing being on sale. Uh, the Aconite books were. They sold out of the art book day one. They mm. sold out of the rest of the novels day two. Right? People are, I think as fans know, hungry. Hungry. Mm. for new L5R stuff. Um, so that's been awesome. But, frankly, for me personally, even more awesome, and, and this is somebody who taught game design to adolescents and adults for many years, mm. introduced people who were absolute non-gamers to games, seeing people who come through and they might only play D&D 5e, mm. or they might only play Magic the Gathering, whatever it is, come by and like look at the incredible art that Andy put mm. together, look at the demos, sit down, try them out, and walk away genuinely excited, mm-hmm. right? However much I am part of and love the deep lore L5R fan base. Mm-hmm. one of my truest beliefs is that L5R should be cool to people on the scale of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. right? There's no reason that We should be the only ones who know how awesome this thing is. Um, And just the number of people who have never heard about it, who I think we've already converted into like new fans, Mm. is just awesome to see.
0: Cool, cool, cool. Glad to hear it. uh, Speaking of relating to the fans, uh, something that I already kind of know the answer to, and stuff. L5R has a history of being very fan-driven, where the classic thing is, like, you go to the card game, you win the tournament, you get to make a story prize. Um, We've had a rocky road with story prizes. I don't know. Fantasy Flight handled it a certain way. I know um, Asmodee right now is handling it a different way. Could you speak on the the, the way that uh, it was announced that you are, air quotes, modernizing the storyline to kind of, like, Quote unquote fix what was going on with the fancy flight version and is there gonna be interaction uh, opportunities for fan interaction going into the future sure. without going into specific specifics obviously yeah.
4: so i will say on the second point first it's something we are actively investigating mm-hmm. and there are a lot of ideas that are rolling around inside of asmodee about how best to do that it is not something we have nailed down in any way mm-hmm. and so any answer i gave beyond that would lead people to be, you know, confused or upset later down the road. Mm -hmm. It's an open question, and it's something that, especially with Katrina on our team, Mm -hmm. and having that deep a connection to the community, Mm -hmm. very much on our radar. Mm -hmm. Um, To the first part, you know, it's no longer 1995. mm -hmm. There are things in the lore, in the world, that play very differently 30 years later Mm. and we are doing our best to thread that needle right because we don't want to dramatically change things that people have a deep attachment to Mm. but we are also working with you know a cultural sensitivity panel Mm. to not only work on the things that i think people have openly acknowledged can be a little you know outdated Mm. but to also chart the future like what what's the stuff we haven't even thought of yet mm-hmm. that the general audience of 2023 and beyond um, are looking for or, or, or frankly are looking not to see anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that's a true a lot of older IPs, not just L5R, where things evolve, things age. We are no longer living in the marvel of the 1970s. Okay. Um, but you have to do it with an eye toward respect and treating the thing in a just manner that respects the people who have loved this thing for so long.
0: Well, that's great to hear. Uh, I'm all for for modernization, especially with an eye towards uh, cultural sensitivities. Uh, I think the Latin community was worried that when they read that, we're going to update and it's going to be like a not strictly direct continuation from the FFG storyline. A lot of people were hearing that and saying like, oh, we're just going to disregard the last little bits of story that came from that thing. That's the reception that they heard. So that's not not what's going on?
4: No, no, no. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are certain areas where things will go in other directions, but Mm. we are doing our best to keep as much of both the AEG days and the FFG days and reconcile Mm. them in a way that, Uh, allows us to push forward in the following years, right? But we're not not coming in with, you know, a chainsaw and tearing this thing to pieces and putting it back together like Leatherface or something, right? Like, we are... And this is something that, you know, as the producer, I see a lot of, but you spoke to Katrina earlier. Mm. She is somebody who is actually doing the hard work. Mm. And of what I've seen of, like, internal documentation, which I will say literally nothing about... Fair enough. Um... Yeah, we, we are doing our best to respect that as much as humanly possible and not
0: just throw a whole new L5R people at people. I'm glad to hear it so much so. Uh, I think last thing we're going to talk about, so how does a fan such as myself and the people that I talk to, how do we quote-unquote support L5R because, on one hand, I see the amazing Euro game, Rivers of Gold, you have on display here. I played it. It's lovely. I have a good time. I see a lot of products coming down there. So, I will be buying and supporting these things and stuff. Uh, what does that send to you and your bosses and stuff? So, if I say, oh, I got money and my bunch of my friends to buy Rivers of Gold, does that communicate, like, well, I guess the community really wants Rivers of Gold and more Euro games <laughs> versus, you know, you know, the elephant in the room, there's a, something, there's a certain product that the community kind of wants, but, like, we're not being, you know, it's all question marks right now so how does one a fan member show support and love and give feedback to Asmodee
4: sure so uh, on the one hand you're absolutely right if things sell well they get more Mm. that's how games get a second printing that's how role-playing games get extended lines Mm. Um, it is the nature of the beast at the end of the day Asmodee is a business Mm. we're just in the business of making games out of things that people love Mm. on the other hand, I think there is, I mean, I'll say 100% within Asmodee, there is a deep understanding that the card game is very much what existing fans have wanted. Mm. Um, and I can say no more about, like, whether it's coming back or possibilities or anything like that. Um, that is definitely, that's, that is a later conversation to mm. be had. But I would say that if there's anything I've seen in the past that gives a boost to the chance to see all the different types of things coming mm. be realized it's it's buying across product categories mm. right um, it's showing that yes this type of game is loved but what's actually even more loved is the world mm. right um, yeah I'm trying to think of like an even more detailed way to say it but like that's that's the truth of the matter as if we see sales across the board of various products mm. do well that will create more of those types of products, but it also gives other partners, other studios, an incentive to mm. try their own things. Mm. And that could include board games that have nothing to do with the Euro style. Mm. That could include different types of role-playing games, um, entirely different you know, types. Aconite doing novels and those selling well, it definitely had a part in Dark Horse being interested in doing a comic book, mm-hmm. right? The narrative element, well, there are lots of ways to pitch that. Mm. Um, So I'd say the more different types of things the fans engage with, rather than only doing the one slice that they most love, Mm. however strange a thing that is to advise, I know we love the (laughs) things we love, but that's how we give that sense of L5R has a fan base that goes beyond this one thing. Mm. And that's when people are willing to take a chance to make even more new L5R stuff.
0: Mm. I mean, I'm glad to hear it because L5R, to me, has always been a multimedia property anyway. Uh, And one of the things I loved about it is when I'm sitting there and I'm playing a card game or a board game or whatever and I get tired of it, I can just turn around and do something else and still be in L5R just doing something completely wildly different. So uh, thank you so much for your time, Joe. I'm going to finish things up. Like, What has been your biggest surprise this weekend? And is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you would like to mention?
4: Sure. Um, Oh, biggest surprise? Um, I don't want to say that the fan reception was a surprise. We were fairly confident that people were going to be excited, Mm. but the degree of excitement and elation, Mm. right, has, you know, we're working in the mines quietly for, you know, over a year now Mm. and dealing with the fact that we aren't ready to say anything and then we bust it all out at once. Mm -hmm. Um, and that could have gone a bunch of different ways. And the fact that it went so unanimously positively. Mm was a joy, right? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's probably the biggest surprise and also, frankly, my favorite part of Gen Con um, right now. Uh, any other things that I would like to say? Um, I would just reiterate, you know, Stay tuned. Mm. The news uh, that we're getting right now of like daily posts, Mm. that may slow down a little bit in the future. We've lined up a bunch. That does not mean that anything is going dormant. We have Mm. not disappeared. We're just going back into the mines to work on all the things that we haven't announced yet. Um, So there is more coming. Mm -hmm. There is lots of exciting stuff still coming. Mm. Um, And yeah, just stay tuned and you know for all the frustration that I understand genuinely from the fan base like know that we haven't abandoned you Mm. Um, we're here we want we want your input we want to do justice to you guys because at the end of the day you're the ones who have kept this thing strong for so long
0: well thank you so much for Joe Uh, you've been doing a great job here this weekend I hope to talk a lot more with you in the future about all this stuff so uh, thank you so much
4: absolutely a pleasure Um, you know I will catch you sometime between now and next Gen Con, and definitely next Gen Con, mm. for
0: sure. Okay. Uh, everyone here at the Asmodee booth is tired of seeing my freaking face. I've been harassing every single member here. I'm going to go and take a nap and leave these poor people alone. So I'm kicking, throwing this thing back to Trevor in the editing bay. Hopefully I don't delete this podcast. Oh, God, I'm going to hit this button. <laughs> And once again, I managed not to delete the podcast. So as I said from the beginning, uh, as far as breaking news, there shouldn't be anything in this podcast that uh, hasn't been announced previously or had been announced outside of the normal communication channels at Gen Con. But if there's anything I can say that my adventure at Gen Con shed some light on is a different attitude than there was before. Asmodee, as it ex- exists now, seems much more open to be communicated with the fans. Like, they, like these are people who love and care about the IP and want to see it succeed. And frankly, Asmodee, as a business, spent a lot of money on an IP that they don't want to just sit in the closet collecting mothballs. So they want to see this thing take flight. Maybe not Fantasy Flight, because you'll notice that nothing that has come out, has had any kind of fancy flight markings or symbolism on there. So everything that's going on right now is Asmodee uh, runs things and they will crank out that license to anyone either in the Embracer group umbrella or one of their subsidiary companies underneath Asmodee. And anyone who wants to make a game, can approach them and work out a deal and see what's kind of out there. Uh, They mentioned that almost every game that we've seen so far, from the Rivers of Gold to the Palindrome uh, Battler game that we're going to see as a video game, to the Minis game from Monolith Studios, these are all like internal discussions that other people came to them with a pitch, and they talked to the right people and got the rubber stamp, and Asmodee gave them the green light to go move forward with such things. So these are the kind of business acquisitions that we're looking forward to now. What has changed in the two months since I have not released this podcast? Not too much, like I said. The uh, heart and soul of Uchiban novels have both come out. The Tomb of Uchiban, uh for the Adventures in Roku, Rokugan system, which is like not D anD. d That's come out, but it also came out with a substantive VTT package that works with Roll Twenty. So if you Buy this add on for, well, if you don't know, Roll20 is a free browser based application you can use to play Dungeons and Dragons or basically any RPG. It's got a shared screen. It's got, um, you can log on. It's got some internal dice rollers and it has some neat little features that you can plug in on there. And now they've created an official L5R, um, plug-in for that which you can now purchase that gives you interactive character sheets, a whole slew of Alpha R themed icons that you can use on your battle maps and many more features, especially with the Tomb of Ichiban, because I believe they have the version of it where you can like just plug the adventure into the book and many of the things that you would need from like battle maps to character icons to spells and abilities all available to you uh, on the Roll20 system, so check that out. There hasn't been much on the L5R website since Gen Con, other than announcing that products are that they had announced were coming out have now come out. Uh, but one thing that's been they've been started doing is they've been releasing lore snippets. Usually this is re- in relation to things that are tied into other projects, so... When the new Daidoji Shin novel came out, they released a little snippet of lore about the City of the Rich Frog, which is the city where the Daidoji Shin novels take place at. Uh, when the Tomb of Ayuchiban set came out, they had a little lore segment for the City of Lies, which is famously where the Tomb of Ichiban is That's also, if you can find it, one of the, uh, most robust and fun slash problematic versions of the old RPG. If you get the City of Lies box set, that was like from like the first edition of L5R of the RPG. Uh, it's got an extensive campaign setting, uh, an adventure that spans, um, that takes you all over the place. Uh, it leads into several other of the, uh events that are now becoming novels here on the under the Aconite line, but it's also like the most nineties product on there and stuff, so it's got some like real suspect tones and <laughs> depictions of settings on there it's available on drive through r p g if you want to like download it and check it out and stuff but uh, if you want to keep yourself fresh and up to date like hey you got a little little lore spoiler here on the city of lies and also, the new Tomb of Ayushiban book is, it gives you just enough information that you need to know about that particular corner of the world. So finally, uh, what's next for me in this podcast? Well, obviously, I don't have a, po- a podcast partner right now. May that change? I don't know. Am I going to change the name? I don't know. <laughs> a lot of things are up in the air right now, and it kind of depends on what all news I have to talk about. Um, fortunately, I've got a small pile of things that I want to talk about in the near future for, so at least the next few months, I've got a reason to keep this podcast going. Most immediately, we've got the L5R art book that's coming out, uh, as, as I'm recording this, it's coming out next week. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Hopefully I get in line with someone from Asmunday and Aconite Books to talk about that a little bit. Um. There are lots. There are, as I was talking about before, there are many different fan groups, official and unofficial, doing various things to keep L5R open and robust, as well as other alternatives. So if you no longer wish to play L5R, you can find like there's pockets of the community doing other things. I don't want to be a podcast that just talks about like card games in general, but there's a few interesting niches to talk about, just both of, like, hey, where's the community going to where does the card game marketplace in general look like these days? So there's a little bit of discussion with that. And then there's a lot of news coming up from this Embracer group, uh, who has recently purchased Asmodee and is using it as its, like, pillar of its new RPG line. And there's a lot of things going with Embracer group in the last few years, and there's a lot to talk about it and explore there. So I think there's a lot of things we would talk about at least for the next several months until uh, hopefully one of the projects that uh, the Asthma Day folks here at Gen Con said was going to come out soon. is going to start coming soon. Hopefully before the holidays. We'll see. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, it could be anything. You could talk about L5R, talk about L5R lore, talk about anything in general. If maybe you want some advice on things. You can contact me at courtgameslcg at gmail.com. And again, that is courtgameslcg at gmail.com. Maybe i just start having an email answering uh, section of the podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm I'm trying to figure it out as best as the rest of y'all. So until the next time you hear from me, which should be next week, not two months from now, enjoy the new music that I have requested from Gavin Dune over at the Miracle Sound he makes music that is inspired by popular video games, and this one is called Rebirth, and it was inspired by Sekiro, but I've always liked it as a kind of l 5 theme, talking about, well, you could knock us out a couple of times, but we'll just keep getting up and go, get, getting back at it again. So <laughs> Anyway, that's all I have for y'all now. Uh, I will check back in once I have more news or anything of relevance of L5R to talk about. Tell them this has been Trevor Cuba, a.k.a. Kikita Odimaru. I'll see you all later. Bye! Ah! Fostered in the honor of the onus codes Paint in the states Out across the centuries Blood upon the banners where the waters flow